welcome into a new episode of Get Fiddles and Paradiddles. My name is Chris. I'm John. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, we uh, first and foremost at the top here want to remind everyone that our podcast is for the working musician, and it is also by the working musician. By Jeff. a couple of good-looking, studly working yeah. musicians. Yes, yeah. we hope, hope you guys right. have seen our pictures online and right. can, I mean, can attest. You, know, you, you see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you what guys, we're working with. You guys. <laughs> um, but we yes, feel that, we feel all that of you working musicians, uh, this is this is for this is uh, for the community, and uh, hopefully we can shed some light on some stuff today. Yeah, today, as the as the title uh, says, we're going to be talking about gear. Uh, in the specific to certain genres, right? Um, and we're right. kind of going to break down maybe just you know a couple things from John, a couple things from me uh, that are very specific to genres, yes. like things that absolutely. you wouldn't use maybe in a certain genre, things that you would absolutely use, yes, in a, in a certain genre for sure. Um, so uh, we're probably going to go through you know first off you know talking about the actual genre itself, mm-hmm. the gear that we recommend, and yes. the reasons why, and, and understand that these these reasons are. Uh, you know, from our perspective, right, and they're subjective to a certain extent, but yeah. but but there, I think there's some universal concepts within these said gear recommendations, right? Exactly. You know, so uh, let's get it started, uh, John. What is uh, what's your your first genre in gear? So uh, for for me, you're obviously going to start with the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got two classes, main classes, uh, classifications of guitars. You have your Fender style guitars, which are you know, in the in the style of a Stratocaster or a Telecaster, uh, body shape uh, similar, uh, pickup configuration similar, mm-hmm. um, scale length of the guitar similar or really the same, um, meaning that you can have a different company make a Stratocaster guitar style guitar and it right. have the same kind of DNA right. as the... You know, it doesn't have to be made by Fender. Exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. So you've got that style of guitar, which are Strats and Tellys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a few other models that Fender makes that are pretty uh, popular, I guess, but for for the most part, it's Strats and Tellys. Okay. And then you have your Gibson style guitars, which are your Les Pauls and your semi hollow bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, the scale length is different than a Fender. Right. Um, the the woods used, uh, the shape of the guitar is different. The pickups uh, are usually two humbuckers as mm-hmm. opposed to single coils okay. uh, in the Stratocaster. And, and they produce different tones and styles. So your Gibson-style guitars are going to be generally used in your rock, hard rock, and even jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, you, will, you will typically use a, a humbucker-style guitar for that because it's darker. Yeah. Um, and your Fender-style guitars are going to be for, you know, country, pop rock, uh, uh, light rock, yeah. if you will. Light rock. Uh, light rock. Your Peter Cetera. Yeah, Peter Cetera. <laughs> uh, uh, Chicago Peter Cetera, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, with a broad brush, that's what, you know, and I'll use the term Fender style, Gibson style a lot during our podcast. So okay. I want to kind of qualify yeah. uh, that a little bit. So if you didn't understand exactly what a Fender style guitar is or a Gibson style, it doesn't necessarily gotcha. have to be Gibson on the headstock. Mm-hmm. It can be made in the same vein, if you yeah. will. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so that's the first and foremost thing is picking out the right guitar. Okay. Um, so your country gigs, you're going to need a Strat or a Tele. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of delve deep in, into into the new country genre here uh, towards uh, once we get going. But you know, that's what you're going to first need to identify is 
what kind of guitar do I right. need? If based on the genre that you're playing. Genre. Right. So you've if, decided on a genre. You're playing country. You're playing rock. You're playing hard rock. You're playing metal, whatever it right. may be. Uh, best to stay within the guidelines. Got to stay within the framework of, you know, if don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So if you're doing, yes. you know. I was about to say, I mean, music's been going on for a while. Genres are defined for a reason. So that's there's correct. No, no point in reinventing right. the wheel. Right. Don't, don't reinvent the wheel. So um, for, that's step one. Uh, get the right guitar. Um, you know. That's where ultimately you're going to achieve the sound is going to be coming from the guitar. Right. So due to your your scale length in the guitar and pickup configuration, that's what's going to nail that sound of the genre is making sure that those specific details are covered in your guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, hence fender style. Like I said, it doesn't have to be the fender style or or fender on the headstock. Fender made, yeah. Right. It just, you know... You can go out and buy yourself the new $5,000 PRS Fender guitar. Yeah, yeah. That's we, all I'll say about that. We know that. which one that one is. Yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Um, so that's a Fender-style guitar. The scale length mm-hmm. um, and the pickup configuration is what's going to nail that sound. So, you know, I, I'm sure there's some drum things that yeah. you really need to kind of have to nail specific genres as well, Chris. Yeah, I mean, interesting to hear what you, you know, I think with drums, I mean, we've talked about this before. Drums are a hundred year old, you know, yeah. instrument, mm-hmm. you know, for, yeah. for, for Western society. Yeah. Um, so there aren't specific things necessarily that, you know, I, I would say there are types of wood that right, you could use right. for to achieve a sound. Yeah. Bobinga, maple, mm-hmm. birch, or combinations of things. Right. But there are very specific things that happen with symbols. Yeah, I would I would say symbols yeah. are pretty. Or that's what's going to make you color your your the tone of the overall timbre of what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, symbols, especially in a in a genre like jazz. Yeah. You're going to have a symbol that is more dry. Yeah. You're going to have a symbol that has more articulation, mm-hmm. meaning that when you hit it with your stick, you mm-hmm. hear that mm-hmm. definition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not going to play a jazz gig with like a washy ride symbol. Mm-hmm. You nope. know, yeah, that that wouldn't be the case. No. And, and and let me make myself really clear. I'm not going to talk about specific makers of symbols or no. even series of symbols. Right. What we're talking about is sound characteristics. Sound characteristics. Yeah. Yes. General general sound characteristics. Per genre. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to buy a Sabian blah, blah, blah. You no, know, everybody that, makes that's good up to you stuff. guys. Yeah, yeah. Every, there's, there's, there's great stuff, stuff out there. Right. Absolutely. So we're talking jazz. We're talking articulation and definition right. and dryness. Right. Um, you know, if you were kind of in the same vein, if you were playing an opposite spectrum like mm-hmm. metal, mm-hmm. you still need articulation right to cut through kind of the deluge of low endness right so you'll see those those symbols they're even you know sometimes labeled rock ride or rock ride metal ride Mm -hmm. or whatever they're going to be a thicker symbol but Mm -hmm. they're also the difference is they're going to have a different characteristic in their tone yeah so instead of being dry and dark they're going to be bright and loud right right? this isn't this is something that's trying to cut through yeah yeah you need to you need to cut through a mix and to kind of you know, not to interrupt, but like that, that's a very important characteristic of, of what we're doing here is there, it, it's a, it's a sonic, uh, uh, 
kind of headquarters yeah, that yeah, you yeah. live within. Yeah, these, yeah, yeah. The, these gears. There's boundaries there. The, the, the rules. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much a, um, these things are almost universal. Right. Maybe not so much the brands that you need to buy per se, right? Right. right. But the, like you were saying, you know, you're not going to go out and buy a 22 inch drive ride on your heavy metal gig. Nope. You're, you're you'll never get like, hurt. You'll never get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's kind of the point, the, 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 the essence of this yeah. is to kind of give, you know, our, our working musician view of these kind of universal gear yeah. uh, truths or whatever you want to call it. And one so. thing you can always trust too. And you know, if you listen to our podcast and you love it, awesome. Yes. You but better. if you don't, if you don't, you know, you don't have to go completely on our opinion and no, I'll tell you, no, I'll tell no, you what no, you right. can go on and what right. you can trust is the makers of these products. Yes, absolutely. You can. There's a reason when you look at a symbol lineup that goes from dry to not so dry to mm-hmm. now we're not dry at all. Now we're mm-hmm. bright. Mm-hmm. And even the way mm-hmm. they look, they look kind of dirty and mm-hmm. stuff. And then others will look mm-hmm. really shiny, mm-hmm. right? These guys have been making symbols for a long time. Long time. There's guys that have been making drums for a long time, guitars for a long time. Yeah. And you look at the players that inspire you. Yeah. What are they playing? Yeah. They didn't choose this because they were trying to reinvent the wheel. They no. chose it because it's the right gear for the genre they are playing in. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, checkbox number one for them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you love Angus Young, then, you know, you're going to play a Gibson style guitar. Yeah. You'll never see him playing a Stratocaster. No. That, no. that $5,000. PRS Stratocaster. Mm, You'll never see him. Never see him playing that. I mean, not that I have anything against that guitar, Chris. Yeah, yeah. except that it's five thousand dollars. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, we digress. We digress. Point being, you'll never. That's just. There's a reason why he's playing. You know that Gibson style guitar, right? Because it's that's the sound, right? Right. So, so to to emphasize some of this for me is, you know. Don't put a lot of pressure on yourself by trying to pick something that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, make make your life easier. If you want yeah. to play rock, get a rock guitar. Right. If you want to play jazz, get a jazz style guitar. Right. And yeah. and and it helps you do your job. Right. And I think it's a little easier in the in in the guitar realm because um you can get a guitar that can be kind of a, a master of nothing but good of every good at everything kind mm-hmm. of guitar where mm-hmm. you can cover multiple genres, which I highly recommend uh you know, if you don't have one in your in your guitar arsenal, um, you need to get one. Like a gig, if you had to, you could do it on one entire instrument. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's probably good to have kind of a jack of all trades. You know, I would say I have a snare drum kind of like that. You know, if I'm uncertain, right. then there is a snare drum I can go right. to for those things. But my, my point is, is that you don't have to have a, a, a guitar for playing jazz, a guitar for playing country. And, mm-hmm. You know, um, what, what you do should have covered is a fender style guitar yep. and a gibson style guitar gotcha so gotcha. you can cover those styles of music right well speaking of gibson style guitars give me some some specifics there like genres and reasons why they work great so the gibson style guitar two things that make that identify the gibson style guitar it's the scale length which is the neck mm-hmm. how long the neck is mm-hmm. it's a 24 and three quarter scale length so it's a little shorter the frets are spaced further apart, mm-hmm. um, which is going to lend, uh, you're going to have more warmth. It's going to sound fatter. Um, it's going to seem easier to play because of the spacing of your frets, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really not because you've got less workspace on, on, there's less of the neck, but be that as it may, the, 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 con- the construct of the guitar is the scale length. The neck is shorter than a fender. Okay. So it's going to be warmer, fatter, um, the, which 
plays into the pickups as well. Um, you have two humbuckers. Mm-hmm. Uh, humbucker basically is you've got your uh, magnet poles on the inside, and one is wrapped one way, and the other set is wrapped the inverse way. And the reason why they do that is because it basically cancels out any hum that comes through there. Hmm. So, so it bucks the hum? Yeah. Is that what happens? That's, that's correct, my friend. That Sorry, I'm a drummer, guys. So, uh, you know, Les Paul, the inventor of the Les Paul, um, those were made famous in those style guitars. Mm-hmm. And basically, they were specifically made because that was a problem with single coil guitars you know when you plug it into an amp and you know you get on these uh you plug them into the wall and you just hear buzz all this 60 cycle buzz from your lighting fixtures all that stuff well the humbucker took care of all that because Hmm. of the design and the way that the copper was wrapped around the magnetic poles inside interesting that's cool so but the sound of the humbucker is super super specific to that pickup it's 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 a little hotter mm-hmm. has more output mm-hmm. um and the eq what it picks up it's really 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 thick on the low end lots of upper mid-range which is good that's what helps the guitar the guitar like if you want to cut through a mix mid-range is your friend too much is bad but that's what helps um or not really helps that pickup but that's a very distinct sonic characteristic of the humbucker pickup. I see. Um, there's maybe we'll put a, a link uh, in the episode um, where you can go online and um, get down to the specific uh, because the history of the humbucker is really fascinating. Okay. Um, so maybe we can put down uh, some links uh, you guys can go to in the uh, in the website uh, for you guitar players to kind of go back and do uh, your your homework on the humbucker, but. To get back around to wrap it up, humbucker is basically two single coils into one, but they're wrapped inverse from the copper wire is wrapped inverse, so it's heavier output, mm-hmm. um, tighter low end, a little more bottom end, and 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 the, and the hotness of the pickup will will drive the amplifier sound. So it's a little more rockier, a little edgier sounding, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Fender style guitar which is a uh, 25.5 scale length, meaning that the neck is longer. You've got uh, more frets spaced closer together, right? So, but the characteristics of that, you get that really chimey bell-like, you know, it's your typical John Mayer, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, David Gilmour, yeah. Jeff Beck. Like, that's Strat sound, Yeah. right? Classic. Uh, classic, yeah. right? Uh, so it's very, very specific hmm. to, to, um, to that sound. So you've got to be able to um, cover those sounds, right? right? Yeah. So um, having that Gibson-style guitar, which is two humbuckers, mm-hmm. right? Humbucker in the bridge, humbucker in the neck. Um, that's going to deliver your hard rock, classic rock, metal. New country. New country. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God, new country. <laughs> yeah. It's almost funny if you show up to a gig now in Nashville with a telecaster they almost would look at you funny yeah. at this point yeah, at this point um that might say something for the the state of the the industry yeah for, uh, for sure for sure don't don't get us started on that but yep. yeah the 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 tone that you need to nail um like you can't you can't get a fender sound from a gibson guitar gotcha mm-hmm. interesting you know some say you can get a gibson sound from the fender style guitar simply by changing the pickup by 
removing one of the single coil pickups and putting a humbucker in there, mm-hmm. you can get the sound of the humbucker, but yet the scale length on the fender is different. Mm-hmm. So you're almost going to get, which is what honestly I prefer. Mm-hmm. I prefer fender style guitar with a humbucker in the bridge. Like if I'm going to have a, a, a guitar, my desert Island guitar, right. It would be a configuration of humbucker in the bridge followed by a single coil in the middle, followed by another single coil in the neck. Like I can cover everything with that pickup configuration. I like it. So That's cool. It's kind of a hybrid in a way. A hybrid, if mm-hmm. you will. Yes. So, you know, you you, you really need to have both, mm-hmm. you know, if you can. Um, uh, because a lot of times, like I said, you can't, if you just have a Gibson-style guitar and you got to do some James Brown funk or some, like, Stevie Ray, it's going to be hard to really nail that, 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 that tone. That sound, that tone, yeah. You know? So, um, you know, especially for... You know, for drummers, um, I think the one thing that kind of like just kills me about drummers is like n- not knowing how to tune your your toms to correctly, yep. using the right type of head mm-hmm. on your toms mm-hmm. that are genre specific. I think you yeah. could probably go into detail about you know, yeah. just, um, you know, maybe some some tuning uh, uh, rules and, and 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 different heads that you might use to let's say play a metal show as opposed to a singer songwriter show. Yeah, for sure. Um, drum heads are sometimes they can be seen as a, uh, you know, this, this is my, uh, version of mm-hmm. how I think it should sound. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes there can be a gray area with the way the toms are tuned mm-hmm. and even the types of heads that are used because you're trying to achieve a certain sound out of the drum. Right. Um, cheaper drum sets, uh, will sound better sometimes with a thicker head because mm-hmm. it achieves mm-hmm. more low end. Mm-hmm. But higher quality drums, you know, say they're or, you know true maple shell or um, birch or what have you. We're talking about kits that are probably thousand fifteen hundred dollars or upward. Right, right. You could almost use any drum head, and at that point, now the drum head is changing its characteristic versus exactly. you trying to help along right, right. a cheaper mm-hmm. sounding or a cheaper kit. Right. But there are definite ways that you should tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Uh, we could start with jazz like we did with mm-hmm. cymbals. A lot of those are like a higher pitched kind of tuning. Right, right. Um, not really for any any reason, I don't think. Right. It's just the way that they did there, it. Is there a certain pitch that you use? Or is there a tension? Or is it just all feel? I think it's thing? feel for jazz right. uh, based on... Yeah, their, I would agree with that for you know, sure. It should probably feel. Right. Um, hey, now, I've, I've never <clears> seen a jazz drummer with a drum dial. Dude, I mean, it's all, no, they're it's all, all feel. Yeah, yeah. it's all feel. Um, but speaking of drum dials, those are amazing if you're trying yeah, to sure. use like in right. studio yeah, like to, to, to achieve a perfect sound. Yeah, those things are can, great. Yeah, super great. Um, you we guys will happily accept yeah. your endorsement too. Yeah, drum dial. Drum dial. Dot com. Dot com. Um, but when you move into other genres like country or rock, right. which are basically the same thing these yes. days. Yes, um, they're mirror images really. Take a drummer like uh, Rich Redmond who plays yeah. with... That's a good one. Um, with with Aldine. Uh, Aldine. Um he's playing, you know, Remo Emperors. Uh-huh. So coated okay. head. You'll see a lot of country guys and rock guys playing mm-hmm. coated heads. Yeah. Um some people may not know this about coated heads versus clear heads. Coated heads mm-hmm. have more articulation. Mm-hmm. When the stick contacts them, there's a little bit more articulation. Okay. So there's a little bit more cut. Sure. I can hear um, that. But you'll notice that some rock drummers and especially metal drummers uh-huh. will use clear heads. Right. Clear heads have, to me, mm. more of a mid and low end range, mm-hmm. but they'll tune mm-hmm. those drums a little higher because gotcha. then again you're it's trying a to compensation. Yeah, you're trying to compensate for all the guitars and the low end. Right. 
Whereas you don't necessarily want the stick definition. You just want that boom. You want or, the cut. You know, you want that, right. that, that cut. So my encouragement with anyone, depending mm-hmm. on the genre that they're in, right. be like, again, you got certain walls you have to work within. Right. Experiment a little bit, especially with the type of kit you may have. Yeah, you know, absolutely. If you've got a kit yeah. that can support, you know, maybe Remo coated ambassadors, mm-hmm. try it out. But yeah. if you've got a kit that's great and you could try clear Evans EC2s, you should try those out. Absolutely. Do some research on these things. And companies, again, they do a great job of telling you what the sound characteristic is. You know, mm-hmm. does it have more resonance? Does mm-hmm. it have more warmth? Mm-hmm. Is the tone sustained a lot? Mm-hmm. Is it a short sustain? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can almost look at these boxes now. I think of all companies, Evans, uh, who's owned by Diodario, they yep. do an incredible job. Love of me some Diodario. Oh, yeah. They do a great job of giving you a sound characteristic mm-hmm. like right on the label. Uh, so even before you buy it, you know, you could go in there with a mindset of, I want a Tom head that is good sustain. Mm-hmm. Uh, really warm. Mm-hmm. And just looking at those labels, you could choose just from that, sure. you know, yeah. but then again, you could also listen to your favorite style of music or your favorite drummer. Yeah. Right. Uh, and those guys are probably going to point you in the right direction yeah. too. Um, but definitely tuning and selection of heads becomes a very important thing mm-hmm. based on your genre. Yeah. And, and, and to, field your punt on on that topic um you know string gauges for oh, guitars yeah. you know yeah. if you're playing metal or heavy metal typically you're going to be detuned like really low so you're going to need a thicker string gauge right right you know you're not going to be able to play and drop c sharp yeah you know with a with, with a, a nine gauge with a 46. String. yeah <laughs> like you're going to need to get some thicker gauge strings yeah you know yeah. and you know your guitar is going to need to be set up for, to, to handle that low of attention mm-hmm. because you're not going to be pulling a lot of attention across the fretboard with, with those thicker strings. So right. you're, the, the neck needs to be adjusted properly mm-hmm. so it won't get warped. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and conversely, you know, um, if you're going to be playing, you know, with, with a guitar, it's really hard rock, metal, and then everything else with string gauges, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, typically most guitar players either play with a 9 or a 10 gauge few exceptions some play with you know 13s there's a few guitar players that i really dig who use 13 gauge strings and there's no way in hell i can do that (laughs) but they do it they make it work typically speaking you're going to use a standard nine or ten gauge guitar string for just about every style of music other than metal or even jazz jazz players will use a thicker uh, they they use what's called flat wound or ribbon wound Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. instead of the winding uh, the, the, it's almost like a ribbon that they wrap ar- around the winding of the strings. So mm-hmm. It gives you this real muddy, warm. That's, mm-hmm. Most jazz players have it on their guitar, flat mm. wound strings. So that's the other exception. But you, you, you know, it's 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 important to have that string gauge proper on your guitar for mm-hmm. you know if i were to go out and do a metal gig like i would have to go and change all all my my guitars like i'd have to get lower you know fatter strings and get them set up properly in order for me to nail that tone because mm-hmm. that's what i'm i'm trying to do ultimately uh, um, when i'm whatever genre that's thrown at me it's like i gotta sound i gotta play the part and, and sonically right, right. yeah sonically if, if you go in there or not not sounding like the part let's just say it were a uh, audition and mm-hmm. you go in there and you don't have the sound nailed for the band well the band you're auditioning for i'm certain they're not trying to reinvent the wheel so you come in there as a guitar player like yeah. hey i'm going to try this really different kind of experimental sound 
you know, unless the unless they're they're saying that they want you to be that, you're probably not going to get the yeah, gig. Yeah, you don't. And I mean, guitar players are guilty so bad. You know, just sh- guys showing up with dual rectifiers and half stacks at a you know trying to play pop rock. Yeah, you know, uh, unless it's called for. You don't need it. You, you know, it's like play, which we've talked about in other episodes, learning the song. Once you, if you're whatever song you're learning and whatever genre it is, you know, you need to have gear that's specifically tailored to, for that sound, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and the rules kind of are, are, are a little different for uh, new country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the boundaries have been shifted to the rock uh, realm, if you will. Right. I would say the same for, for drums too. I mean, you see a lot of, even the configuration of drums are bigger, you right. know, 24 inch kick drums, yep. 18 inch floor toms yep. in this new country world we live in. And, and you're seeing guitar players with four twelves and hundred watt marshals and stuff, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just what it's not, it's not my daddy's country, you nope. know, as I would say, but that's what it is. So it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because that's what people call me for is like i need the rock guy i'm the rock guy in the country band right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the sound they're trying to to get and that's why i get called a lot of times for from country artists is to bring that sound Mm -hmm. being able to um have the right adequate gear to achieve that it's super important take a sip take a sip um (laughs) because you know i'm not going to get i'm not going to show up to that said audition or whatever Especially if I know going into it what what's expected of me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna bring my A rig, my my A rock rig that I have, and my my go to guitars. Yeah, you know what yeah. I hear. What I hear when John says all of this is that he has kind of a defined style that he's known for. Right. Right. And he gets callbacks so. yeah. because yeah. of this defined right. style. He's the rock guy that plays country because right. country is now more rock than anything. That's it. And I would say that, you know, that can kind of be said for myself too. I'm the rock mm-hmm. drummer that mm-hmm. gets pulled into some things that where they need a rock drummer. They you need know? the rock guy. Quote yeah, unquote, they need, the, they need the, the rock guy. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get called for the jazz gig and I'm right. okay with that. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and me too. I'm not yeah. going to get called in to, to sight read, you know, real book tunes, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to, I could, but that's not what I do. Yep. You know, and so, not, so to kind I'm of expand doing. upon that, John and I have followed a lot of these guidelines we've talked about in this episode. We've followed yes. these guidelines to a point to where we've developed our own sound, but really in a way they're not our sound. They're, they're not our, genres. Right. Sound. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the influences <laughs> from those genres, uh, uh, kind of manifested into us yeah exactly you know? because we followed the guidelines and right. the rules we didn't reinvent the wheel no, we didn't and now what happens we get callbacks for gigs right because that's that's what i think that's, that's just part of the dependability it, you know what i mean I you, think, you build I, the dependability and right. the professionalism right. of, of saying you know i'm not trying to be some you know experimental player mm-hmm. you know i'm trying to be someone that follows the rules and this is the sound you want so i can provide that right and an artist can count on you to interpret that to uh decipher gear mm-hmm. that, that are, are specific to those genres mm-hmm. so um that's that's kind of what we're trying to do is set a uh, guidelines for that the so for for the guitar players touched on the fender style guitars gibson style guitar the second thing that obviously this just as important is your amplifier right right, right. yeah it's definitely so, important so you've got two main categories for amplifiers 
and they're in the similar kind of nomenclature as the guitars. You have your Fender also makes amplifiers. So mm -hmm. you have your Fender style amplifiers, and then you have your Marshall style amplifiers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Characteristics of the Fender are valves, is what our friends across the pond call it. Mm -hmm. In the States, it's called tubes. Mm. So the tube configuration and the cabinet configuration, meaning that the amplifier and the speaker are in the same enclosure also referred to as a combo amp where you have the amp inside the amp and speaker inside a chassis combo amp boom two and one mm, right okay so that is a characteristic of your fender style uh fender style amplifiers the amplifier tubes speaker all in the same chassis your marshall style amplifiers are the opposite they are a just the amplifier just the power tubes, output transformers, capacitors, knobs in an enclosure. No speaker cabinet. That's one of the main differences. The other or, or, or differences. The other key difference is the tube configuration. The Marshall style amplifier are going to use EL34 power tubes. The Fender style is going to use 6L6 or a 6V6 power tube, which are if you listen to a Fender amp, that's why. That's what. That's the sound. Is that yeah. power tube? That's what you hear. That's what you hear. Yeah. And conversely, for the Marshall, it's the EL34. Um, also, um, I would throw in the uh, the Vox category, uh, AC30. Um, those are an EL84. Same mm -hmm. kind of family, maybe just the cousin, mm -hmm. the smaller cousin of the EL34. Very similar sonic characteristics. Okay. But the AC30 is a combo amplifier: amp, <clears throat> tubes, speaker, one in one enclosure. I see. Okay. But they, they share the same power tubes, if you will. So you kind of have to put the Marshall in the Vox. Sonically, they're a little different, but categorically speaking, those are, those are you know, brothers, if you will. Cool, cool. So different genres are going to require said amplifier. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to have an amplifier that can nail that sound, right? right? right. And, and luckily, you know, the lines have been blurred yeah with amplifier manufacturers you can fenders you can make a fender sound like a marshall and you can make a marshall sound like a fender mm -hmm. um, because the circuitry and i don't want to get too deep and down the rabbit hole but the the marshall circuit was based on a fender circuit so they're 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 really the same very similar same side yeah. of the coin just different engineering different engineering uh, different tube configurations. Mm -hmm. If you put the same set of tubes in a Marshall, a 6L6, it would sound like a Fender. But hmm. anyway, so the amplifier is not as important as a guitar because you can blur the lines with the amplifier, but but still important nonetheless. If you're going to get a Fender amplifier, you need to make sure that you can cover, you know, if you're looking for your amplifier to be a Swiss Army knife, mm -hmm. if you want to be able to cover multiple genres, then right. you need to make sure that you can cover your rock tones and all that stuff uh, with pedals or whatever. Mm -hmm. That that's just as just as important when you're listening to figure out what you need is what amp style mm -hmm. am I going for? And a lot of times in new country, it's that Marshall hard rock, it's the Marshall sound, you know, right. just a cranked up Marshall. Yep. yep. So um, that's something that you definitely need to, um, you got to have that sound in your bag of tricks.
So, Chris, what kind of drum items would you say um, uh, would you need to really have in your bag of, of tricks uh, back there on your drum kit, other than, say, like what we've already mentioned, cymbals, you know, so different heads. heads and tuning, right. Yeah. What, um, what else do you think you need to carry around in that, that bag of goodies? I would say definitely snare drums. We couldn't get out of this without talking about oh, yeah. snare drums. Yeah. Um, yeah, snares, for sure. If we if we talk about genres, especially in a time period, yeah, there are definite drummers that you can think about that yeah. their snare drum characterized who they were. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about um, Stuart Copeland yeah. specifically. You yeah, know, like for we, sure. we know Stuart Copeland had mm-hmm. a very specific mm-hmm. snare drum sound. Yep. Uh, a guy like uh, Chad Sexton that plays with 311. Yep. Um, there are a lot of drummers that have a snare drum and you go, man, that's, that's the snare drum sound. I mean, Ringo, Ringo Ringo snare. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think what, what they did is they determined that that sound is perfect for their genre. Right. Right. Sure. This isn't a time period. Right. But, um, there are snare drums that are perfect for doing that kind of thing for high tuning or for low tuning, but a bag of tricks type of snare drum is something that can do both. Yeah, And so I would say, you know, of all the snare drums that are out there, one of the ones that is kind of a go-to for me yeah. in live situations, mm-hmm. in studio situations, is mm-hmm. the Ludwig Black Beauty. Drum. Oh, the Black Beauty. The Black Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, these things, even on a good day, you're probably going to spend about $600 for it. I would say so, yeah, probably. But if I were to tell you buy these three drums to achieve what one drum could probably do based on some really good understanding mm-hmm. of how to tune it, mm-hmm. just spend the money and get this drum. Just Yeah, just bite yeah. the bullet. Now, I will say, as John has said, there are many other manufacturers that make a drum like this. It's right. basically nickel over brass yep. is what gives it that look and it gives it that sound. Yep. Um, but the perfect drum for that bag of tricks type of snare drum. I can't really position I don't think any I've ever heard a bad Black Beauty. Yeah. Even if it wasn't tuned right, it's still like, damn, that still sounds like a Black Beauty. Yeah. You know? And they've been around forever, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't hear much about Ludwig these days. They don't have yeah. the marketing that they used right. to. Their their kits are still amazing. Yeah. They sound great. Yeah. But their marketing is not what it used to be, but right. that iconic drum is still something it that is. I would definitely it is. recommend. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, we, we hope that... Um, You've gotten a lot from just an understanding of how gear works specifically in a genre and also how a genre may determine the gear you use. Right, absolutely. And don't be don't be scared to, to get on YouTube or go out and see live shows, like see what people are using on said gigs, and that'll give you a real good idea of what what they're using to pull off that sound, especially in the guitar realm. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, because there's a lot of blurred lines uh, these days. So, you know, just, you know, stick to the guidelines yep. uh, that, yep. that we mentioned and then you know, figure out what works within those, um, parameters. Exactly. Um, this week we have something special that we're going to launch. Um, Ooh, and, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, John and I, we, you know, we, we love gear. Everybody loves love gear. gear. You know, you, you research gear. gear to, to no end. So, yes. um, we're going to have, uh, going forward in every episode, we're going to have kind of our picks of the week yes. for gear. And you know, that could Super be specific to our, <laughs> uh, that could be very specific to, our individual instruments we play yep. or, or something that maybe helps us along right. our practice or mm-hmm. our live performance or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so let's get this picks of the week uh, kicked off and John, give us, give us your pick of the week. So I'm going to fire away first with the, um, line six H X stomp. What a unit this thing is. That's what she said. Hi. Oh, so cliff note version of what this thing is, is it's a one stop shop for guitar players. It has, built-in, all the built-in effects you need. It has amp modeling and 
it utilizes a new technology called IR response, which is an impulse response. Mm. So basically it emulates, it's a digital emulation of speaker cabinets or uh, specific speakers in general. Uh, a 10 inch speaker with an Alnico magnet or a you know, 12 inch speaker with a ceramic magnet or a combination of different magnets, different sizes of speakers. That's what an impulse response is. So you can load this unit up with these IRs, impulse responses, mm-hmm. of your favorite cabinet, dial in your amp model, and run it direct to front of house. You don't even need to bring any kind of amplification wow. at all. It's uh, The DSP in this thing is top of the line. Um, I've, I haven't had a chance to physically play one but i have been youtubing these uh things quite quite uh, frequently recently uh, a friend of mine at church uh the other guitar player he has the line six helix which is basically the flagship what the stomp is based off of it's mm-hmm. a smaller um has less bells and whistles helix and ultimately it's designed to be a one-stop shop so if you're doing fly dates if you're playing at church um you know, and you can't bring your rig. This thing is the next best thing. It's convenient. It's portable. It's about the size of my hand, a little wow. bigger than my hand. Um, Definitely good for travel day. Yeah, just um, but but the advancement in amp modeling and the 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 impulse response technology has really stepped up in the past five years. I mean, I remember five years ago. There was a huge, huge difference. Um, the biggest difference being um, amp modeling-wise, it just didn't feel like a real amp. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't get certain things a tube amp would do, the amp modeler would not mimic. It just wasn't there. Right. But it's the gap's been closed. And uh, the Line 6 HX Stomp is just a powerhouse of a product. Um, so that's, um, you know, if you're, if you're a you know, working musician and you're out there on the go and um, you don't necessarily have time to, you know, or want to bring your A-rig, I mean, you can bring this thing and it does everything. That's cool. So uh, check it out. Um, it is the Line 6 HX Stomp. Uh, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the, in the website so you can uh, get on the uh, interwebs and, and um look at it and kind of peek around at it and see um see if you dig it chris what is your pick of the week sir my pick of the week is something that at this point in my my drumming career is indispensable um it's a piece of software yes a lot of you may have heard of it's called ableton live oh god specifically ableton Ableton live Live 10 ableton Um, life life yeah ableton life uh ableton is an interesting product it's it wasn't intended for what it's used for now in yeah. live situations. Yeah, isn't that funny? It, you know, it's it's a piece of software designed for electronic music creation. Right. That's really what it comes yeah. down to mm-hmm. at, at its bare bones. Yep. But what's cool is a lot of creative people, mm-hmm. smart people, have determined that you can use this in a live situation Absolutely. for controlling your clicks, for yep. controlling your backing tracks, uh, guides, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite features about Live is it has a warp feature, which is okay. unique to Ableton Live. Okay. And it allows you to um, say you've got one sample that's at one speed. Right. 
143 beats per minute or whatever. Right. And then another sample that may be at like 140 uh -huh. or even way, way further off. Uh -huh. You can warp them to the speed that you want, and these samples will work together. And it adjusts the pitch and everything. Yeah, it adjusts the pitch instantly. I mean, that's insane, Which is great man. for backing tracks. Right. It's, it's crazy, a, it's, it's crazy it's how insane. awesome that is. And even if you had, you know, you wanted to change the key of it, mm -hmm. you can drop ever how many semitones you need, mm -hmm. go up, go down, whatever you need to, right inside the Done. software. And it's super easy once you get into learning it. Um, very fluid mm. type of, yep. of, of learning interface. Right. Um, pretty much every gig I'm on now, especially church. Oh yeah, all my church gigs, we're the tracks are everybody's Ableton. Yeah, everybody's running Ableton. through Ableton um, for sure. So definitely something you guys should should look into. I mean, John and I, you know, at, at some point we we talk about all the time about the importance of practicing with a click track. Oh yeah. Um, one of yeah. the things, even in my own rig at home, I'll put up just a crude loop. Yes. A click track. And just play along yeah, to that. My goodness, know? I please get some sort of that. What he said, what my friend Chris said, <laughs> get 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 a loop pedal for you guitar players. Get something that you can make music with too. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, playing to just a a, a a click, that's good. But if you can have something like a like a backing track that's already in time that you can play to, that that's optimal. For sure. Yeah. Something that took me a while, you know, when I first got into Ableton is not only learning the program, but playing all the time with a click. With that click going. Right? Yeah. And so it's, it's it's almost like a muscle. It you is. Have to develop yeah. It, you you know? really do. You and really so, do. Yeah. Definitely get, you know, you drummers, you guitar players, all you, you bass players, whoever's listening. If you're out there and you want to do this as a working musician, this is, you know, I want to do this. Right. Don't discredit playing with loops. No. Because it's a thing. It especially is. Especially in, you know, going back to new country. Right. They're all over new country. Oh, my gosh. You know, all kinds of loops, all kinds yep. of clicks. you got to be able to do that. you got to be able to play. you, you got to be able to bury it, man. you got to be yep. able to bury that click. You yep. know, guitar players and drummers especially. And get used to it because I don't see it going anywhere anytime no, soon. Definitely not. We're, so, we're, we're in for a ride for at least yes, another, big time. probably 10 years. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that'll wrap it up for us this week. Yes, picks of the week. Picks of the week. Uh, we're going to be doing this uh, uh, from uh, in, in in our future episodes. And let us know what you guys are, are digging on. Uh, any kind of gear that you think is uh, worthy of uh, mention, uh, let us know, and we'll try and give it a shout out. Maybe in our picks of the week, Absolutely. and we'll give you a shout out as well if we yeah, chose yeah, yeah. it. Uh, and uh, be sure that if you, I'm sure everybody that's listening probably already has, but spread the word for us mm -hmm. so we can get them subscriptions and likes and yep. all that good stuff up. And uh, we uh, we are going to, we're just uh, scratching the surface with picks of the week, yes. sir. We've got many in mind that we want to talk about. And of course, new gear springs up all the time. Absolutely. So it's very intriguing. Well, guys, we're going to get out of here this week. We'll see you next Monday. And we out. <laughs>